a large academic medical center that I was speaking with the other day, they have over 400 staff members devoted to their revenue cycle operations. Today, they have 43 vacancies. So roles that they cannot fill, that's over 10% of their needs. Well, when we work with organizations on a particular workflow, we've been able to generate 19, 20 FTEs worth of work. And that is alleviating those organizations of the need to backfill those roles. Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science around the globe. I'm Alex Merwin, Head of Growth Healthcare and Life Science Startups at AWS. And in today's episode, Amanda Goltz from AWS guides us through a fascinating conversation with Ben Beetle-Ribe, co-founder of Acasa, a leading AI-based company focused on driving step change improvements and revenue cycle operations. Ben walks us through his vision of harnessing the power of AI to reduce administrative waste and improve the patient care experience. My favorite part of today's conversation highlights how bill shock, otherwise known as financial toxicity, impacts patients, at best negatively impacting their impression of the care experience, and at worst, actually worsening health outcomes. All right, that's enough from me. Handing it over to my colleague, Amanda. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I'm Amanda Goltz at Amazon Web Services. I am happy to be guest hosting this edition of the podcast. I have as my guest, Ben Beetle-Ribe from Acasa. Ben, tell us about yourself and tell us all about Acasa. Thanks so much, Amanda. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here. Great to meet you. I will start with Acasa. So Acasa is a company dedicated to healthcare automation for hospitals and health systems based out of Silicon Valley. So we apply modern machine learning and AI to back office operations for hospitals and health systems in order to drive efficiency. We have a specific focus on the revenue cycle. So for me personally, I have spent my career in healthcare, working with hospitals and health systems focused on revenue cycle and finance operations. So uh, some of the less sexy sides of healthcare, um, I, I have always been attached to this mission and certainly uh, observed a lot of the administrative waste that occurs in this area. And what ACASA's mission is to really ensure that a greater percentage of every dollar spent in healthcare is spent on delivering high quality care to patients. And so that is where we deploy automation in order to do that. That sounds like a much needed solution in healthcare today. In fact, many of the health systems and AWS enterprise customers in healthcare that I work with tell me they are looking for exactly that kind of help on the back end. Tell me a little bit more about it and how you came to this particular type of solution to devote your life to as a startup founder. What's your background and what brought you to the idea that Acasa was the way to accomplish this? Yeah, of course. I really appreciate you asking. For me personally, I have now been in the world of healthcare for 15 plus years. And the earliest days were spent in hospitals and health systems, working through process redesign and transformation. And when you really roll up your sleeves and you're working side by side with frontline staff in hospitals, you immediately notice how much paperwork there is, how much back and forth there is that in some regards seems senseless. And if you pull up and look at the macro level metrics, 
We as a country spend $6 trillion on healthcare a year. And uh, the Journal of American Medical Association found that nearly 25% of that was classified as administrative waste. So time spent on coding, on billing, on physician administrative areas. And so the opportunity to drive efficiency, it ultimately seems quite obvious, but the process for doing that in this system that we have with patients, third-party payers, and providers all together is actually incredibly complex. And so what we at Acosta did is we started uh, examining processes across the revenue cycle, which we can talk about in more depth, and really started identifying areas where we could apply artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to take repetitive, mundane tasks off of the plates of staff. And eventually that morphed into being able to take incredibly complex tasks off of their plates in order to help back office staff operate at top of license and drive better efficiency for health systems. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. I'm even more committed and it resonates even more with what I hear from my hospital partners and friends when I think about this. One of the things that I I think about, because I think for people like us who've been in healthcare for a while and are very familiar with these enormous numbers, the national healthcare expenditure, the percentage that's spent on non-clinical tasks, right? Administrative tasks that may or may not add value or may well be complete and utter waste. I think most people have a basic familiarity that perhaps we don't deliver care in the most efficient way, but they're not familiar with why that is. And I have a secret theory, which, you know, I'm I'm joking here. I don't actually think (laughs) that anybody is a bad actor, but that a lot of it is deliberately confusing and complex just to sort of like frustrate anybody who's really trying to fix it. (laughs) That's my personal (laughs) belief. Um, But help those of our listeners who are unfamiliar with revenue cycle management. I mean, the basic principle is understandable. Hospital does a lot of very expensive things for patients. And it has to jump through a lot of hoops in order to get the appropriate reimbursement from a bewildering array of insurance companies, both, of course, on the private side and public entities like Medicare and Medicaid. So do you have sort of basic run through? Can you walk us through how the claims process works very, very high level and how that ties into revenue cycle operations? In other words, Help us understand, we think of hospitals as entities and clinics that provide care to patients, but I would argue that a a huge chunk of their business is also the business of making sure that they're paid adequately for the care they provide. Help us understand that part of it. Yeah, Amanda, I think you you hit on so many important pieces there. I'm happy to give a high-level understanding. I think let's start with for the general consumer of healthcare, patients, families, communities. I do think that there is this really head-scratching moment when you examine healthcare and you think about the paradox of the dollars that are at stake, the smart people, the resources that are there. But then uh, as a country, we're achieving middle-of-the-pack outcomes. They're hit with surprise medical bills. And that's really confusing and frustrating for these organizations. And so I think to first understand the revenue cycle, it's important to acknowledge the different players there. And there's three primary groups involved in almost every transaction in healthcare. There is the patient that's going through their care. There is the provider, that is the hospital or health system, the physician practice that is delivering care and supporting that process. 
And then there is that third-party payer. That is your insurance company. It is government coverage, so Medicare, Medicaid. And each and every one of them plays a role in supporting the ultimate reimbursement of care. And for the patient, if we think about their experience, they're oftentimes scheduling care, they're providing their insurance card, and then they're taking a physician's guidance. Hey, this is what you need. This is my diagnosis. At the end of their care experience, they're getting a bill. And so they don't really have a concept for what happens in the background. The revenue cycle is what happens in the background for a hospital and health system and how they intake information from the patient, how they productively engage with the insurance companies or Medicare or Medicaid, and how they are communicating all of the different steps and observations in terms of what they've seen in care. That helps to determine if they are authorized to deliver care, if that care is deemed medically necessary by payers, how they code the care that was provided, and then ultimately how they bill and get reimbursed for them. And so there are so many steps that happen in the background, each and every one of which requires communication back and forth on pre-agreed terms that patients aren't always privy to. Um, as a result, that means there's complexity, there's confusion. You talked about, gosh, is this deliberately set up in a Byzantine complex way? And I would argue that it's not that. Each and every one of these players has things that they are guarding against. So for insurance companies, they're trying to guard against fraud and abuse and improper utilization of care. For the provider, they're looking to provide the highest quality care possible, but make sure that they get reimbursed appropriately for it. And for the patient, they're looking to get healthy and hopefully do so in a way that doesn't catch them off guard financially at the end. And so what we focus on is supporting hospitals and health systems through that process in order to capture that information cleanly and get reimbursed appropriately. Historically, they have deployed armies of people to the problem. So it is very manual in nature. We as a company at ACASA saw a great opportunity to help them be more efficient in accomplishing those same goals so that they could ensure more and more of their resources were focused on the patient. I really love that. It's a very sophisticated and broad-minded view of one of the critical problems and challenges in healthcare today, which is this one of reimbursement. It's more than revenue cycle management. I think that's a fairly dry business term that's used across industries to talk about how you receive value for the goods and services provided. In healthcare, it means much more. And I think you articulated that really well. And I especially appreciate the comprehensiveness in which you're appreciating everybody's standpoint, right? This is a little bit of an iron triangle with the patient locked in the middle. And I, and you're right, I'm the small-minded one. I'm accusing people of bad behavior, but it's not bad behavior. It, everybody is it's a zero-sum game. One person's yeah. dollar of savings is another person's dollar of cost. And they're all operating in a system that's governed by those economic rules and trying to survive and do the right thing given the constraints. So I really appreciate that perspective. Another thing I want to mention that I appreciate as well, especially with you always bringing it back to the patients, which is near and dear to my heart, there's a new appreciation for the effect of what is sometimes called financial toxicity on patients, that the cost mm. of their care is exactly as you put it, without being you know, shocked and surprised by a bill they can't pay, is 
a component of the healthcare they receive for good or for ill, and that there's a role that players can take in protecting patients or helping patients pay for their care, access payment for their care, understand this. It's a new term. I think we're all trying to appreciate what it means, but it's not like really at the forefront of that. So tell us about the patient's role in all of this and how you may or may not see that changing with some recent changes in healthcare. Yeah, of course. I mean, when we think about the patient, they have two experiences. One is their care experience and the other is their financial experience. And unfortunately for hospitals and health systems and providers, a poor financial experience can entirely influence a patient's perception of their care experience. Oftentimes, it is the last thing that sticks with them. They go through a great care experience, they're getting healthier, and then four to six weeks after that care experience, they're hit with a surprise bill. We have seen over the last uh, five, 10 years, an increasing out-of-pocket responsibility for patients with the introduction and really leaning into high-deductible health plans. So patients have a greater role in understanding how much their care may be. That is structured so that they are not seeking unnecessary care, right? They're really only there for care experience. But when they're entering this care experience, they oftentimes don't have visibility into what the cost of care is going to be. And they are hit with outrageous medical bills afterwards that leads to that financial toxicity that you're speaking to. And that is something we as an industry have to do a better job of. In almost every consumer transaction that's out there, you go in and you're staying at a hotel, you know how much that hotel is going to be. You're making a purchase, you know how much that's going to be. When you're going into care, particularly for urgent, emergent, even certain care cases where you're going to have numerous points of contact in the care delivery system, you are going to encounter numerous different bills all of which pile up. And so it is on patients themselves, but it is on us as an entire industry, providers, payers, to do a better job of creating clear transparency and visibility for these patients so that they have a better understanding of what their financial responsibility in the care process will be. We at ACASA look at many of the different elements of the revenue cycle, including things like automating the prior authorization process, automating the backend billing process as mechanisms to help support patients in avoiding those surprise medical bills or those outbound communications from providers to say, hey, listen, this is what we believe you need, but your insurance company has not given us authorization to provide those services, right? So hopefully that helps to illustrate I think, how important the patient financial experience is in this whole equation. It really does. And it's also an inspiring message with some practical components of how we can help patients in this process. You know, I often speak to folks and they talk about things that they're going to do and then benefit to the patients is a side effect. But it really sounds like a good one, but, you know, a side effect. And it sounds sounds like you've really built that into the value proposition for ACASA in a way that that I really appreciate. Um, So, you know, you're singing into the choir. That's very <laughs> noble. And I'm so grateful that you're including that. But let's talk about you. <laughs> sure. What is your ambition for the next few years? What goals do you have for yourself and for your team at ACASA and for what you're able to accomplish? Yeah, for us, our ambition is to be able to drive down the cost to collect in healthcare. And 
In order to do that, our ambition over the next few years is to be working with every hospital health system physician practice in the country across the next couple of years in order to remove some of that administrative waste and those burdens that exist. It's interesting. As I look at entrepreneurship and innovation that's taken place in the healthcare ecosystem over the last several years, a lot of the AI application and the machine learning that's taken place has been focused on some of those areas for clinical improvements. And certainly that is something we all aspire to. But you mentioned it earlier, some of the pieces we're talking about, maybe the drier business elements. And in our world, I think of that as maybe the less sexy side of healthcare. But that side of healthcare is incredibly important. And so we aspire to be touching every single patient's care experience and improving their experience by working with every hospital and health system. Today, we're working with nearly 500 hospitals across the country. Those hospitals are uh, representative of over $100 billion in net patient revenue today. So we are touching nearly 10% of the healthcare ecosystem today. Um, We see there being a huge opportunity to deploy more of our automation with our existing groups and expand to other organizations so that each and every patient is having a better care experience and each and every health system is removing that administrative waste um, from their ecosystem. We're completely supportive of those goals and that ambition here at AWS. We want to help you succeed. That is what we want too, as we deploy generative AI tools, which are really exciting and machine learning on behalf of our healthcare enterprise customers in the cloud. And so we're thrilled to be able to work with you and Akasa to, to help further that goal. I have a little bit of a kind of split experience where I'm so lucky to work at Amazon where we're developing these amazing tools that can do things with data we never dreamed possible, and especially the promise of generative AI. But the other half of me, the healthcare institutionalist part of me, uh, is has the same thoughts that you do. It's why are we, I guess we go after the clinical piece because it's because it's sexier, because that's what people understand about healthcare, because it's a snazzy headline attention grabbing <laughs> to be able to say AI will replace doctors. But my argument, yeah, that's a terrible idea. What my idea is, uh, what I think we should do is AI should replace a claims denial. How about that? Right? I mean, that's not as exciting, but I think that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> Amanda, I think that you and I would have a lot of fun over some drinks together because we share that vision, right? Um, when we think about the different really concrete and tangible areas that we are touching for hospitals and health systems, it spans the revenue cycle. It spans that claim management process. And there are really three types of impacts that we've had. So number one is in generating kind of virtual staff and production for these organizations so that they can be more efficient. So I'll provide a very concrete example. Um, you know, A large academic medical center that I was speaking with the other day, they have over 400 staff members devoted to their revenue cycle operations. Today, they have 43 vacancies. So roles that they cannot fill, that's over 10% of their needs. Well, when we work with organizations on a particular workflow, we've been able to generate 19, 20 um, FTEs worth of work. And that is alleviating those organizations of the need to backfill those roles. It's addressing their staff and workforce shortage problems, which is plaguing the entire industry right now. The second area where we're having an impact 
is helping these organizations do their work more accurately. Hey, the reality of this work is that it is prone to human error and mistake. And by doing this through artificial intelligence and machine learning, we've actually reduced errors that are occurring, helping organizations to minimize their denials. You just talked about the denials process to be able to capture more appropriate revenue. So for one of the organizations we worked with, we have improved their overall revenue yield by 1%. That's massive when you think about them being able to capture all that. Um, and then lastly, we are accelerating their time to collect reimbursement, right? So for one of the organizations we work with, we've reduced their accounts receivable days by 13%. So each and every one of these is a key performance indicator, key metrics, metric that are tracked by these groups. And so when you share that vision of could AI replace the claims denial process, we feel like we're already on that path so that organizations can lean into machine learning in order to do things more accurately, more timely, and more efficiently. I love that. Perfect summary. I encourage all of our listeners if they are looking for a solution like this, are looking to realize some of those amazing gains and KPIs that Ben just laid out, reach out to us here at AWS. We can help you get connected. And also, Ben, we're happy to help you and your team here at AWS. However, we can. I myself have about 10 hospitals that I want to make sure you're working with that I talk to on a daily basis. So that's awesome. Um, I think, unfortunately, we could talk all day. And even though it's 7.30 a.m. here, I would love to get that drink with you. But I do think we have to close. So any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Amanda, I want to first just say thank you and the AWS team for hosting us. We have been incredibly privileged to do the work that we're doing with some of the most prestigious health systems across the country. We are motivated by improving how we deliver healthcare today, the cost to, at which exists in healthcare today. And so in closing, we remain very excited about the potential to elevate care delivery and the financial experience that patients go through day in, day out by continuing to deploy machine learning in this space. So really appreciate the time and look forward to remaining in touch with you and your listeners. Awesome. Ben, we're thrilled to be on this journey with you. Thanks for joining us today for the AWS Health Innovation Podcast. If you want to get in touch with AWS, please check out our show notes where you can find a link. If you enjoy the podcast, the best way to support us is to share it with your colleagues and friends. We also really appreciate your reviews and ratings wherever you listen to podcasts. We love hearing feedback from our listeners, so please don't hesitate to get in touch. Again, you'll find all the details in our show notes. See you next week.